Today's scripture is from Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 to 14. And you can find it on page 1161 on your Pew Bibles. It's 1 Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 to 14. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and more, fear more courageously and fearlessly. This is the word of God. wonderful to have Liz Honeyford with us. Liz is the associate pastor of St. Paul's Leaksdale uh, Presbyterian Church near Uxbridge, Ontario. And uh, actually, Liz and I go way, way back to church together uh, in North Scarborough a long, long time ago. And we've barely seen each other since those days, to be honest. So we were catching up um, this morning. We believe that in God's providence that Liz is the person to bring God's word to our community this morning. And so let's pray for her together in that direction. Lord God, we thank you for Liz Honeyford. We thank you for what you have been doing in her life over many years. We thank you for her calling, for her gifting. And this morning we thank you for her availability to be with us. We pray that you would anoint her by the Holy Spirit, that you would fill her, that you'd give her every good and perfect gift that she requires to bring your word to us. And so speak to her and speak through her this morning and give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see what you're doing, give us grateful hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. Feed us, we pray, through your word. In Christ's name, amen. I bring you greetings from St. Paul's in Leesdale. It's good to be here among you again. It's been quite a while since I've been here. I'm glad to be worshiping with you, knowing we're one body in Christ. So a few months ago, I was away at a woman's retreat. We were sitting in table groups, mostly uh, complete strangers. It was in, in, a, in Ohio, actually, so I didn't really know anybody. And so they had us do these icebreakers. I hate icebreakers. I'd rather go to the dentist than do icebreaker games with strangers. I'd rather pick up dog poop on a hot summer day than do icebreakers. I mean, I'm that, like, I do not like doing icebreaker games. I'm an introvert, all sorts of reasons. But I put on my big girl pants, and I behaved myself. And one of the questions we had to answer, though, was, was kind of good. I found it really interesting. And the question was, what song best describes your life or is your favorite song uh, that speaks something to you or something about you? Uh, that was a pretty good question as far as icebreakers go. 
And so two songs came to my mind immediately. The first one was, how do you solve a problem like Maria? If you knew anything about me, you'd know that one fits. But the second one, well, just, just go on a little nostalgic journey with me uh, this morning. They're going to try and play it from up there. Oh, yeah. Nothing like it. Gotta take a little time. Take a little time. A little time to think things over. I better read between the lines in case I need it when I'm older. Here it comes. It's gonna grow. It's tight. mountain I must climb Feels like the world Wait for it. Coming. Sing it if you know it Through the clouds I see love shine It keeps me warm as life grows You know, that's the cry of the human heart. It's the deepest longing within each of us. It's the number one motivating factor for why we do or don't do certain things. We need love to live well. And it's the number one factor for why we are so often in emotional pain and depression and dysfunction, because we keep grabbing at, at crummy human love and hoping it's real and true. I want to know what love is. God created us in love, for love, by love, and because of his love. God designed you for love. Like a dolphin is designed for the magnificence and wildness of the ocean, you, your very essence, was designed for his love. God so loved the world and everything in it that he sent his son Jesus, God with skin on, to rescue through his death on the cross every heart from death. The death that separates us from love, the death that despises love, the death that destroys love. Jesus' death, once for all, for everyone, cancels out that death that separates us from God's love so that we may know the love of God that will never disappoint that will never harm and that will never end, will never die. A love that brings us into union with God who is eternal and constant. Death threatens love. Jesus died so that we could, in him and through him alone, live forever eternally and internally loved. 
The Christian good news is simply and profoundly this. God loves you. Before you accept him, you are loved by him. Before you know anything about Jesus, you are loved by him. Before you know you need him, you are loved by him. Before you trust Jesus, you are loved by him. Before you know you need forgiveness, you're loved by God. It's profound. The gospel starts and ends with this truth. You are loved by him. And the in-between story is that sin separates you, separates us from the love we need to be fully us, to be fully you. And Jesus' death took that sin away. And now you can know God's love and live forever with him in that love. Paul is writing to the church in a town called Philippi. He's writing from prison where he finds himself most of the time. And one of the benefits of prison for Paul is that he has time to pray and he has time to write. In fact, most of the New Testament is written from that place, from that perspective, from a prison. We just finished preaching through the book of Revelations in our congregation. And and John, who wrote that magnificent book, God revealed to him these amazing things is writing as a prisoner on the island of Patmos. John had time to write and pray, time to hear God and to be with him. Okay, sidebar. If you want to hear from God, get alone and get quiet. There's simply no other way. There are no other shortcuts. If there was, I would have found one. There is no shortcut, no other way to experience God's personal presence. No other way to hear his voice than to get quiet and to get alone. Time spent in quietness, particularly in solitude, is never wasted time. And and sometimes, this has been my experience, God puts me in prison in order to bring my heart in alignment with him, to bring me back where I belong in that perfect union, in that oneness with him that he longs to have with me and with you to bring me back where I literally belong. Psalm 23 says this, He makes me lay down in green pastures. He makes me lay down. Prisoner pastures, God so loves me, so loves you, that he will at times put us in tight quarters in order to speak to our hearts. Hosea 2, great verse in the midst of Hosea, another amazing book. God says this, I will bring you into the wilderness and there... I will speak tenderly to your heart. Make it a practice to be alone and and quiet with God. Make it a value of your life to spend each time, to spend time each day, each week, each month, each quarter, each year alone and quiet with God, that your heart may hear his, that you may know him and the power of his risen life. So Paul has time to write and to pray and Here's what he is praying for this church in Philippi. He says, I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That word knowledge there is a word in the Greek, epigenosis. And it means this, knowledge gained through first-hand relationship. Knowledge gained through experience. He's praying that their love would come out of the ethers, would would come out of theory and religious doctrine and become boots on the ground love. 
Now, boots on the ground is a military term that defines those troops who are actually in hand-to-hand battle, actually on the front line, those experiencing the war, in the war, as opposed to those troops who are maybe waiting for deployment or working in factories doing other things. Boots on the ground is epigenosis. It's experiential. It's actual. It is knowledge gained in the event actually happening. And Paul is praying that the church would grow in boots-on-the-ground kind of love, practicing practical love with depth of insight, with discernment. I think he longs for them to know love the way we need to know love, by experiencing it firsthand from God, from one another. We were designed that way. Boots-on-the-ground love may look like this, a glass of water to a thirsty kid or kids. I don't know if this is happening in your neighborhoods, but in my neighborhood, twice now, we've had groups of kids show up at the door unannounced uh, to play a game called Bigger or Better. Anybody experience that? So this group of kids come, and they, they come with something that the neighbor had just given to them that they had traded something for, and so they go through the neighborhood trading up Bigger or Better. Twice now this has happened, and the other night, there's a group of young life kids and uh, they arrived with a toboggan and a GT racer. And, uh, you know, knock on the door. They're standing there hot and sweaty with a toboggan and a GT racer saying, we're playing bigger and better. And uh, so we gave them my husband's bike right off the wall. Here, have a bike. We want to win in our neighborhood. <laughs> but they arrived, and this one kid, he says, can I have a glass of water? And the next thing I know, my 25-year-old Tyler, he comes out with a tray of eight glasses of, of cold water for these kids, and he engaged them, and he talked with them, and he joked with them, boots on the ground, you kids matter, thank you so much for letting us play with you tonight. Boots on the ground. Boots on the ground may look like showing up when someone is sick to clean their house or mow their lawn. Boots on the ground love may look like sacrificing something for me for something for you. In fact, the word love here is that word agape, and it's used specifically for the kind of love that comes from God who demonstrated boots on the ground literally when he left heaven, laid aside all of his godness, and took on human form in Jesus Christ. Boots on the ground. He laid aside his rights and his privileges, his personal power to demonstrate true love, Real experiential love, boots on the ground, sacrificial, generous, ridiculous love. There's a, a song a, a guy named Steve Camp used to sing. I'm really dating myself here. But to sing the song, he said, don't tell them Jesus loves them until you're ready to love them too. Boots on the ground. Actually doing loving things that cost something. Like a soldier fighting for my protection, like a friend canceling her own appointments to drive two hours to sit quietly with my broken heart, like a family foregoing putting a pool in their yard this year in order to sponsor a, a Syrian family, boots on the ground, love. We, the church, filled with the fruits of righteousness that come through Jesus Christ, we, the people filled by and with Jesus Christ, will demonstrate his agape love wherever we go, if we are experiencing firsthand his love and growing in understanding his love experientially, actually, personally.
if we are surrendering moment by moment to his risen life within us, his risen love within us. And if we are living aware that boots on the ground love is right here, right now. Boots on the ground is, is love demonstrating, sorry, the demonstration of God's love in the here and now in every situation. It, it's patience right now. It, it's kindness right now. It, it's gentleness right here, right now to the ones you look at every day. It's believing the best. It's, it's defending each other. It's speaking well of one another. It's being tender. It's being non-defensive. It's putting other interests ahead of our own. It, it's boots on the ground. It's, it's giving the parking spot away. It's choosing to go second for something. It's, it's to talk looking each other in the eye. To take time. It's, it's to slow down. It's to say, I love you. Knowing it means boots on the ground. How can I serve you today? Just be kind-hearted, gentle. Choose to slow down and be present with one another. Let Jesus out into the world through his spirit in us. Okay, another sidebar here. Paul talks about discernment here as he's talking about love. Verse 10, he says this, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure. In the verse above, he uses the term depth of insight it also has a meaning of discernment, a, a weight about it around this word discernment. Discernment is the ability to smell a rat or a rose when there's a rat or a rose present. Discernment keeps us out of foolishness with each other. Discernment keeps people safe by putting healthy boundaries in place. Discernment keeps us in wisdom and in the center of God's will. It, it's a listening stance but listening for God's heart on the matter. It cuts between the noise. It waits to see if there's a rat or a rose or both. Is this God's work? Is this Satan's work? Is this the flesh? Discernment waits till it knows. Hey, there are times when boots on the ground love doesn't look so loving. Anyone who's ever had to put a child on notice for behavior gets that. Anyone who's ever had to say no to someone who is codependent on you or had to tell someone to stop a certain behavior that is unsafe to them or to the relationship. Anyone who's had to do that knows something about discernment. And Paul is praying that true and real and mature love would abound in the church. A love that isn't easily rocked, it isn't fickle. A love that is strong and constant and healthy. Boots on the ground love. Experiential. I pray your love abounds in knowledge and depth of insight so that you will be discerning and filled with the fruits of his righteousness. That's Paul's prayer for the church in Philippi. It's his prayer right down to this day over you, Knox Spadina. Paul then goes on to talk about his own experiences in jail. And here's what Paul is learning by experience. You can be in prison and not be a prisoner. See, true freedom is when the threat of loss is gone and Paul can lose nothing here, nada. He's chained in a Roman jail, but listen to what he says. It has become clear to everyone that I'm in chains 
for Christ. For no other reason. I'm, I'm here for no other reasons, but I am in chains for Christ. See, Paul has learned the secret of freedom. Give your life completely to Jesus Christ for His purposes alone. Give all that you are, all that you have, laid at His feet for His use. And whether you live or die, whether you are hungry or thirsty, whether you lose or gain, you have everything you need, even in chains, even in prison. Paul's perspective is this. God put me here, no one else. And the good news is advancing. Hey, that's what I signed on for. The church is growing in confidence and and boldness because I'm in chains. That's good news. It's like Paul has taken a happy pill or something, but he hasn't. What he has is a perspective that comes not from himself, not from his own worldview, from his own needs. He has a perspective on his life in the here and now that is God's perspective. See, Paul knows whose he is. Jesus says, I belong to Christ. I am joined with him. I am chained to Christ. He knows why he is. Why he exists is to make Jesus known wherever he is. One task, make Jesus known. And though Paul is in chains, neither of those truths has been lost or could be lost. I belong to Jesus. Nobody can take that away. No chains can take that away. And Jesus is being made known while I am in chains. The two things Paul says I signed on for when I became a Christian are happening. See, Paul knows it's not about him, it's not about his comfort, but that the church, his brothers and sisters, would grow in love and knowledge, would grow in confidence in Jesus, would become fearless in proclaiming that Jesus has come to bring salvation and life to the entire world. Paul's in prison, but he's actually never been more free. He's experiencing boots on the ground living and has discovered he was made for this. And not only is he made for this kind of living, this tough, rugged, uncomfortable kind of living, but God is more than enough to sustain him and to cause the message of God's love to continue to advance even while that preacher is chained in a Roman jail. Hey, I am sure because you are human that some of you are in tough even today. I'm kind of in that category myself. Life can be painful and it can be overwhelming. Life is painful and overwhelming much of the time. Emotions take us in all sorts of wild places like Riptides in the ocean, they take us out of our control and they can wash us out to sea. Prisons or pastures. When you're out of your comfort zone, out of your own control of your own life, it can feel like God is the most unreliable sort when the opposite is true. He is constant. He is good. He is always in control of the details that affect me, that affect you. There's a quote that I love by a woman named Julian of Norwich. If you grew up in the Catholic Church, you might recognize her name as uh, Catechism quotes her, but she said some really interesting things on suffering, but this this one is my favorite of all her quotes, and she said this, if there is anywhere on earth that a lover of God 
is always kept safe. I know nothing of it. It was not shown to me. But this was shown, that in falling and rising again, we are always kept in that same precious love. I love that. To believe that you are held in God's steadfast, precious love when you're in chains or in chemo or in grief is difficult. But not impossible to the heart that has surrendered to Jesus and has taken the position, at times the excruciating position, of saying, not my will, but yours be done. God said to me recently as I was reading in one of the Psalms, He said, feed on my faithfulness. See, I feed on so many worst-case scenarios. Mark Twain once said that uh, I've had so many troubles, most of which never happened. (laughs) Uh, I, I relate to that. I feed on all that isn't going my way and all that could cause me trouble tomorrow. But how about this? How about feeding? How about setting our minds on God's faithfulness, on on His reliability? And being confident in His ability to keep His own promises like He says He will, no matter what the circumstances. Someone once said, pray the promises, not the problems. I like that. St. Augustine said that God can only be found in the cross and in suffering. But Paul here takes this to a new level. He shows us that suffering can be bearable because we are chained to Christ. And Christ has chained himself to us. We aren't alone. We aren't ever alone. And he shows us that suffering can lead to true freedom because once you've lost everything, there's nothing that can be taken. And that's actually true freedom. The church around Paul saw that. They watched his life. And it made them confident and and fearless in telling others that Jesus loves them. And as their own experiential love of God grew, so did their fearlessness in being bold about the message of Jesus Christ. And that's how the message of Jesus, the good news, that he is alive and can change a life has continued for 2,000 years. As people, ordinary people like, like you, And like me, as we experience God loving us wherever we are, whatever the circumstances, people around us watch and they begin to grow in confidence and they begin to grow in their experience of Jesus too. I think there's something here for us as the people of God. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that you uh, did not set this up as a religious system where you would tell us what to do and we would do our best to do it. No, actually, you stepped right into this earth, right into these shadows in Jesus Christ. And then you raised him from the dead and by his Holy Spirit, you now put that same life that was in Christ is now in us, boots on the ground. God, we know that the church has always been, since that time, the boots on the ground demonstration of your love. But God, it's impossible 
unless you, by your spirit, do it in us and do it to us. How we need you. Jesus, how we need you. Lord, I would pray over this spectacular place, over this piece of geography in the midst of Toronto. God, would you pour out your spirit in fresh new ways? Would you grant each of these precious people to you personal experiences of you loving them again and again and again? And we say thank you through Jesus Christ. Amen.